just to, to see you come. <clears throat> what a blessing. First John chapter 5. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read to you what I think is one of the most life-changing passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Out of everything the Bible has to say, I think verse 13 is one of the pinnacle verses in all of Scripture. And I'll explain why. We're going to read verses 11 through 13. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. Let's read it in unison, shall we? Pausing at the punctuation marks. The Word of God says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the scripture and it's all of its power and glory. We talked last week about its inspiration, its preservation, its power, uh, its completeness and trustworthiness and Lord, we're thankful that we are blessed in America to have copies of your word. I pray today you'd help us rightly divide it and to learn about the glorious joy of knowing that we're saved and that you save us and you keep us saved. We pray that you'd open the scriptures to us. If there's anybody here today that's not saved, I pray today would be the day and help each one of us to better understand your word and have joy that accompanies salvation, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I think this passage of Scripture we read is one of the most glorious passages in all of the Bible. There's a lot of verses that talk about God. There's a lot of verses that talk about who Jesus is and, and what Jesus did for us. There are a lot of verses in the New Testament about eternal life and how to get eternal life. But 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 answers a question that plagues so many Christian people today. And the question is, can I know that I'm saved? Can I know that I'm saved? Can I have assurance, confidence that I'm going to go to heaven? I talk to a lot of Christian people, and if you ask them, are you going to go to heaven when you die? The normal answer is, I hope so. I think that's a good thing. I think there's some humility in that. I think that there is, is some longing, some desire in that. But sometimes when I say things like, I know I'm going to heaven, people get offended. and They're like, wow, that's a lot of pride. How could you be so proud to think you're going to heaven? We've got to understand, I don't think I'm earning my way to heaven. And I don't think I'm good enough to go to heaven. But I'm confident that God will keep his word and take me to heaven like he said he would. That's a whole different thing. I'll talk to people that have been alive for 60, 70, 80 years. Sometimes I'll talk to people that have gone to church for 50 and 60 years. And they've never seen this verse. 
And I'll say, what if there was a verse in heaven that said God wanted you to know that you were going to heaven? Would you want to see it? They say, oh yeah, I would like to see that verse. And we see here in verse 13 of 1 John chapter 5, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may hope that ye have eternal life. Is that what the Bible said? No. It says that ye may know, that ye may know for sure that ye have eternal life. And if you don't know that for sure, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. That's why this verse is so powerful. It teaches people God wants you to know that you're going to heaven. And that's a game changer, folks. There's a big difference between hoping you make it and going through this life with confidence that you're going to heaven. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian, isn't it? I'm so glad that I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I placed my faith in Him for the forgiveness of sin and salvation of my soul. When I was 16 years old, I got all that nailed down. I'll never forget it. I laid my head on my pillow that night for the first time I can remember knowing that if something bad happened to me, I would open my eyes in heaven. It was like a thousand pounds had been lifted off my chest. There was a lightness, there was a joy that came with believing you're going to heaven. But the joy of salvation only lasts as long as our confidence that we are truly forgiven. And then we come to the question, can a Christian lose their salvation? Can a Christian accidentally lose their salvation? Can a Christian just decide they don't want to be saved anymore? I remember when I got saved, I had some family members that came to me and they were worried about me because they went to different kinds of churches. I remember one man in particular, a family member, he came to me and he took me out to breakfast and by this time I had been called to preach and I was trying to serve the Lord and uh, we're sitting there in breakfast and he was sitting there smoking a cigarette, and he just told me about how he had been at the bar last night, and he was, uh, he had been carousing with um, a woman that was not his wife. And then he turned the conversation. I was actually there to witness to him, to tell him about Jesus. And when I started witnessing to him, he said, I'm worried about you, Baptist. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, you people believe you can't lose your salvation. <laughs> I'm, like, what? I'm like, what's going on? And he sat there, and as he, he stopped cursing for the moment, and he stopped talking about all of his carousings, and he said, he said yeah, I'm worried about you Baptists. You, you, you think you, you're just going to go to heaven. You think you can't lose your salvation. I listened to him for a minute, and I interrupted him and said, if any one of us at the table is in danger of not making it to heaven, by your standards, it's you, not me. And I had some family members come out of the woodwork and say, I'm worried about you, I'm worried about you. Here's the situation. My mom's side of the family, growing up, our family didn't go to church. But my mom's side of the family had always gone to a Pentecostal church, charismatic church. And those churches typically teach that you can get saved by trusting Jesus, but then you have to do good works and be good Because if you sin after you're saved, then you can lose your salvation and you have to be saved all over again. 
Now, nobody agrees on which sins make you lose your salvation or how many sins make you lose your salvation. It's just kind of arbitrary uh, that you can do this and you probably are going to need to get saved multiple times over the, the course of your life and hopefully you don't die with any sins that you committed that you didn't have time to ask forgiveness for. <clears throat> My mom had actually stopped going to church as a, a young lady when she realized she could not be good enough to keep herself saved. She said, no matter how much I tried, I would always end up sinning and, and I couldn't keep myself saved, so I just stopped going to church. And decades of, of torment followed of her not, her believing she wasn't good enough to earn her way to heaven. On my dad's side of the family, they went to a church of Christ. And I have some memories of going there with my dad and his mom and my stepdad, Grandma and Grandpa Bays. I have no doubt that Grandma Bays was saved. She was a, a short, little roly-poly kind of grandma and a sweet disposition. And I remember when I got called to preach, I was worried about how my family would handle it. And uh, she called me up one time at once a year. It's about the only time I got to see my dad's side of the family. Once a year, we would have around Thanksgiving time, a Thanksgiving slash Christmas get together. And one time she called me up and she would always sit in front kind of like the matriarch and people would talk to her or she would talk to people. And she called me up one day and um, I leaned down to talk to her and she said, Paul. She said, I heard that you're going to be a preacher. I said, yes, ma'am. And she grabbed my cheek. She said, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I said, thank you, ma'am. And she said, I bet you're one of those pulpit pounding preachers, aren't you? And I said, well, I seem to be. <laughs> you know, I was still getting it all figured out. But yeah, it seems like it. And she said, I'm so proud of you. And that was Grandma Bay's. I have no doubt she was born again, sweet Christian woman. But that church that they were going to at the time taught that you had to ask Jesus to save you, and then you had to be baptized underwater to wash away your sin, and then if you sinned after all that, then you had to get resaved. So both sides of my family believed that yes, you could get your sins forgiven, but if you didn't live right after you got your sins forgiven, then you could lose your salvation. Through the process of time, my dad stopped going to church because he realized that he couldn't be good enough to keep himself saved. And this is a common theme you see with people that go to those types of churches. If they're honest, they get to the place where it's like, I'm struggling and I keep having to get saved over and over and I'm just not going to make it. I'm just not good enough. There's a great loss of joy and eventual hopelessness when you believe that keeping your salvation is up to you. Folks, can I just encourage you today? You weren't capable of getting yourself saved, and you're not capable of keeping yourself saved. The first question on my mind as a new Christ Christian, the burning question that had to be answered is, can I lose my salvation? Am I going to do like certain parts of my family did and go to church for 5, 10, 15 years and then figure out, hey, 
I can't do it anyway. And they would say this, I just can't live it. What are they saying? I can't be good enough to earn my way to heaven. I've talked to countless people over the years that have gone to churches like that. And they'll say, I just figured out I can't live it. I can't keep my salvation. And so this was a burning question as a young man, 16, 17 years old. Am I going to lose my salvation? Can I lose my salvation? I read books about it. I listened to preaching on the subject. I studied the Bible for hours and hours looking for the truth, comparing all the verses of the Bible. Some verses make it sound like you can lose your salvation. Some verses make it sound like you can't. How does all of this work together? And I'm glad to announce that God gave me full assurance through His Word that a sincere believer cannot lose his salvation. The first sermon I ever preached in a nursing home was about eternal security. I had my little outline. I'd worked on it for probably a month. The preacher said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to preach in the nursing home. You know, they were going to forget what I was going to say anyway. <laughs> <You know>? So <laughs> I couldn't hurt anybody uh, if I got up and preached, preached too much heresy. And so uh, I worked on my outline. Man, I had my main points. It was the best penmanship of my life. If you see my writing today, my wife always says, you should have been a doctor, you know. And... Uh, uh, but I mean, I just, every letter, and then I got out my highlighter, and you know, the main points were orange, and the illustrations were highlighted in green. It was like a work of art. Don't ask to see my outline today, amen? But the first sermon I ever preached was on the subject of eternal security. The doctrine of eternal security is a big deal because God wants us to have the confidence that we're going to heaven not based upon us, but based upon Him. The weight of trying to keep yourself saved is paralyzing. I know people that spend their lives so worried about whether or not they're going to keep themselves saved that they never tell anybody else about Jesus. They don't really go to church sometimes all that faithfully. And if they do go to church, it's because they're going to try to earn their way to heaven. A lot of, of heartache and turmoil comes out of that type of, of doctrine. Uh, thinking that you can lose your salvation, it paralyzes believers and it stills our joy. We sang the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. What's that blessed assurance? The blessed assurance is Jesus is mine. I have this blessed assurance that when I got saved... Jesus is going to keep me saved. He's going to keep his promise to get me to heaven. And God wants each one of us to enjoy the blessed assurance that God has saved us and will keep us saved. And don't let Satan rob you of this priceless gift. Now, this morning, <clears throat> I have far too much sermon to give you this morning, so I'm going to break it up into to two, and I'm going to finish the message tonight. Uh, unless the Lord changes it. I have 46 reasons from the Bible why you can't lose your salvation. If I were to preach the whole thing, we'd be here a long time. If I spent, uh, if I spent one minute on every point, that's 46 minutes. So tonight I'm going to spend 10 minutes on each point. No, that's not true. I'm not going to do that. I want to give you an overview, though. Sometimes we go deep into the Bible and sometimes we just say there's so much information on these wonderful subjects that sometimes we just dump the truckload on you and then let you study it out for a while on your own. I've got 46 Bible reasons in front of me why 
uh, you can't lose your salvation. Now, there are verses that make it sound like you can lose your salvation. And those verses need to be studied out. You need to figure out why God worded them that way and what they truly mean. There are great truths that can come from those verses once you understand them. But one of the laws in Bible study is that you never use an obscure verse to explain away an obvious one, right? And the Bible gives us so much information about a specific truth that a verse that makes it kind of sound like cannot be used to erase all of the obvious statements that God made on the subject uh, <clears throat> throughout the Bible. And that's true on every, uh, every subject. And so the Bible teaches us that if you have ever been saved, you will always be saved. The question is, have you truly been born again? And only you and God know that for sure. But the Bible's very clear. Simple faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's plan for salvation. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to join a specific religion. You don't have to be uh, baptized underwater. You don't have to keep the sacraments. You don't have to climb some mountain in Tibet to go to some uh, visit some shrine. The way to God is through Jesus Christ every single time. Faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing minus nothing is God's plan for salvation. And when we are willing to believe what the Bible says about Jesus, he is the Savior, the Son of God, and we're willing to believe what he did. He died on the cross to pay for our sin, was buried, and then rose again. The Bible says the moment that I exercise saving faith in my heart, the moment I say, I not only believe that up here, but I'm going to believe that with all my heart and trust Jesus to forgive me in that very moment, our sins are forgiven. We become a child of God and our eternal destiny is secure, not based on me or what I'm going to do now or later. It's based upon the promises of God. And that gives us a calm assurance. If you would ask me, preacher, do you think you're good enough to go to heaven? My answer would be a tearful, absolutely not. I would say with the rest of you, I don't know why God loves me. I don't know why he would want to save me. But I'm glad he did. And I believe what he said. And I couldn't save myself. And I can't keep myself saved. Let me give you some of these thoughts today. Tonight, I'm going to give you, as part of the introduction, there are four main thoughts about what people believe, what Christians believe about losing your salvation. There's four major veins of thought. I'm going to explain each one of those and go a little bit deeper into why I believe that you can't lose your salvation once you're truly born again. But for the rest of the time we have together this morning, let me just give you some of these beginning thoughts about biblical reasons you can't lose your salvation or eternal security, how we know we are eternally secure in Christ. And we find our first one here in 1 John 5, 13, one of my favorite verses. Number one, the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13 is a breathtaking verse of Scripture. It says without the possibility of misunderstanding that believers in Christ can know that we have eternal life. And the way the sentence is structured 
keeps you from misunderstanding. So he starts out with, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Hey, if you're saved, God wants you to know that you, you have eternal life. And if you're not saved, God wants you to have eternal life so that you can know that you have eternal life. God wants you to trust in Jesus so you can know that you have eternal life. And so many Christians go through life hoping they're going to make it. But our, our lives are greatly improved when, based on the Word of God, we have a humble confidence that says, I believe I'm going to heaven because of what God said. I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and God told me I could know for sure I'm going to heaven. I don't have to wonder, oh, I had a good day, I'm going. Oh, I had a bad day, I'm not going. I had a good day, I'm going. Oh, I had a bad day, I'm not going. No, 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 no. It's you can know for sure you're going to heaven. You don't get to heaven by stopping sin. And you don't keep yourself saved by stopping sin. You get to heaven because Jesus Christ died for your sin on the cross. So number one, we know the Bible says we can know we have eternal life. Number two, we're going to turn back to the Gospel of John. And I put these in, in uh, biblical order so we can just go quickly down through the books. We're going to start in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let me give you some more reasons why, Bible reasons, you can't lose your salvation. John chapter 1, and look at verse 12. But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we, again, we see believe and receive, that's how we get saved. That God gave us the power, the authority to become the sons of God. Verse 13, which were born, not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there is a spiritual birth that takes place when we accept Jesus as our Savior and we believe in Him with our heart. We are born into the family of God. Now, this is such a powerful thing because we have all seen things be born. I got to see three of my children be born. What a blessing. We've got a litter of puppies in our house right now, and we got to watch them be born. Uh, everything uh, in, in creation is born in some way. Every mammal born. The seed births new life. Uh, there's this continual giving of life that takes place, and we know that things can be born, and salvation is not like joining a club Salvation is not like getting your card stamped. It's not like uh, joining BJ's and signing up and getting your picture taken. It's not like getting your library card. It is a brand new birth. It is new life given, life that wasn't there before. Now there is a new creature that exists that did not exist before. And I've seen a lot of things be born. Have you ever seen anything be unborn? No, things don't get unborn. And we are born into eternal life. That's life that does not end. So you, someone who's born again can't die spiritually. They would have to be unborn, and being unborn is not even a thing. So we know that we're saved. We know that we can't lose our salvation because saving faith births us into God's family. Amen? Look at John chapter 3. <laughs> John chapter 3, the third reason we believe in eternal security is Jesus promised you would not perish. 
Look at verse 16, the famous John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him has everlasting life. Oh boy, that's not what it says. That would have been true, but God says, no, no, I want to make sure you understand. If you trust in my son, you're not going to perish. That word perish means die and go to hell. But you're going to have everlasting life. You see, words matter. So God says, I want to be super clear. I love the world. I gave my son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus promised that you would not perish. Are you born again? Yes. Did you trust Jesus? Yes. Then you're not going to hell. Isn't that the promise of John 3.16? You should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at John chapter 3, verse 18. I love this verse. He that believeth on him, talking about Christ, is not condemned. Now, think about a condemned building. What does that mean? It means this building is reserved for destruction. So the Bible says if you believe in Jesus, you're no longer reserved for destruction. Or excuse me, if you don't believe in Jesus, let's read the verse. He that believeth on him is not condemned. So if you believe in Jesus, you're not reserved for destruction. But he that believeth not is condemned already. So the Bible says you're in one of two groups. You're either condemned, reserved for eternal destruction, or you're not condemned, not reserved for eternal destruction. What makes the difference? What do you believe about Jesus? If you receive Jesus, you're no longer condemned. But if you don't accept Jesus, you're condemned already. Why? The rest of the verse. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The condition of salvation is belief in Jesus Christ. All right, so we know that we have eternal life because the Bible says, number four, you're not condemned once you believe in Jesus. You're no longer condemned. The wrath of God is not abiding upon you. Look at John chapter 3, verse 36. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son will have everlasting life someday. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Hath is the present tense, has which means you have it right now. He that believeth on the son of excuse me, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So again, God draws us a distinct line. What makes the difference? Faith in the person and work of Christ. But notice it uses the present tense here. If you believe in the son, you have everlasting life. That means you have it right now. Here's a beautiful truth. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. You started living forever the moment you got saved. You currently have eternal life. If you are born again, you are currently living forever. Isn't that good? You have eternal life. Look at John chapter 5. Is this interesting to you? John chapter 5, <clears throat> John chapter 5, and verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath, there's that present tense again, now that you see that, you'll see it all throughout the scripture, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death 
to life. We know number six, we can't lose our salvation because we're passed from death to life. We were dead spiritually. Now we're alive spiritually. We're not going to come into condemnation. Notice the emphasis on God's word in John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, it's like truly, truly, or Jesus is saying, pay attention to what I'm getting ready to tell you. It's really important. I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Our salvation rests upon the power of God's promises, not the intensity of our belief. This is important for you to understand because Satan will try to make you doubt. So we we say, okay, preacher, I know that I get saved by trusting Jesus, but I wonder if I trusted him enough. I wonder if I meant it enough. I wonder if I was sincere enough. I wonder if my faith was strong enough. And really, you're asking the wrong question because it's not about your faith that has the power to save you. Your faith is the key that unlocks the door to salvation. But our salvation rests upon God's power and God's promises. Romans chapter 10, we won't take time to turn to it, but Romans chapter 10 says, if you believe it enough to say it, that's good enough for God. And we are passed from death unto life. God gives us everlasting life. All right, number seven. How do we know that we're not going to lose our salvation? Number seven, Jesus will not cast you out for any reason. Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 37. All that the Father giveth to me shall come unto me, and I will in no wise cast out. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. What a beautiful verse. All that the Father giveth to me, giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. <clears throat> the phrase in no wise means for any reason. You've got to understand that God's not looking for a reason to get rid of you. <laughs> he went through an awful lot of effort to save you. He paid the ultimate price to save you. He gave up everything to save you. He's not looking for a reason to throw you back out. Matter of fact, God constructed salvation in such a way where he placed all the burden upon himself. I will pay for your salvation. I will do the miraculous transformation of salvation. I will keep track of your sins being forgiven. I will make sure that you stay saved. It's all on him. He's not looking for a reason to get rid of you. He sacrificed everything to save you. Now look down at verse 39 in the, same, in the same chapter, John 6. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. So thank God he's not going to lose track of you, amen? Jesus doesn't misplace things. He didn't lose his keys this morning. Uh, he, he doesn't lose things. He, doesn't, he didn't miscalculate. So it's the Father's will... That, God, that Jesus should lose nothing, but should raise him up again at the last day. Look at verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that's the Father, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So we see the eighth reason why we know we're not going to lose our salvation. It is God's will that Jesus would not lose any soul that truly believes. Isn't that good? 
Look down at verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. You see the present tense again? But in this verse, we want to remind you the ninth reason why we know we can't lose our salvation is there are no conditions to salvation other than belief. There are no conditions given in this verse. Matter of fact, there's no conditions given in John chapter 3, verse 16, John chapter 3, verse 36, John chapter 5, verse 24. In fact, the greatest passages in the Word of God about salvation mention only faith in Christ. Now, there are verses that make it sound like, well, this, this verse kind of makes it sound like you've got to be baptized. Well, that means John 3.16 is not complete. And all the other, the greatest passages in the Scripture about salvation are complete. Well, this verse tells us we should live right after we get saved. And you should live to please the Lord after you get saved. But that doesn't keep your salvation. There are no conditions to salvation other than belief. Look at John chapter 10. And we'll end with this one tonight. You'll have to come back tonight to get the rest. John chapter 10. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The tenth reason why we know we can't lose our salvation is Jesus knows his sheep. You know, when you're born again, you become one of Christ's sheep, and he's the great shepherd. You know, it's a shepherd's job to keep away the wolves. It's the shepherd's job to lead the sheep to still water. Sheep don't like drinking out of water that's moving too fast. Sheep are honestly pretty needy creatures. <laughs> they, they have no defense. Uh, so wolves can, can eat them at will. They're a prey animal. They're kind of skittish. They get scared easy. They get anxious. If the river's moving too fast, they won't drink out of it. So the, the shepherd will have to lead them over to a little eddy a little spot where the water might be just moving a little bit more slowly. And Jesus is the good shepherd. And Jesus says, I know my sheep. If you belong to me, I know who you are. And I will take care of you. Isn't that a blessing? What about the warning in Matthew? Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. Did not we prophesy in thy name? What did Jesus say? I never knew you. You talked about me. You may have gone to buildings with my name on them, but you weren't one of my sheep. I never knew you. But for those that have been born again, those that have placed their faith in Jesus, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I will die for you, Jesus said. And he did. Isn't that all good news? God wants you to have the joyful confidence 
that your eternal destiny is based upon his power, not yours. His promise is not your faithfulness. At the same time, the Bible very specifically says, don't use my goodness as a reason to go sin. There are people, and only God knows who they are, there are people who name the name of Christ, but they've never been saved. That's why the Bible says, examine your own selves to see if you be in the faith. The only person that knows whether you're truly forgiven is you and God. I have confidence as a 16-year-old boy. The back row of Blessed Oak Baptist Church on a Saturday afternoon youth revival after everybody had gone. One man was left. He helped me. I bowed the knee. We both got on our knees. And once and for all, right there, I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me. I confessed him as my Savior. And as best as I knew how, I trusted him to forgive my sin and take me to heaven as he promised to do. And folks, it wasn't anything that I did that made that miracle happen. And I've been following him now 30 years. And there's nothing that I've done in the last 30 years that's kept me saved. It's all about him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we've learned today. This is such a powerful subject because Satan wants to get us to doubt. He wants to steal away our joyful confidence so that we'll be paralyzed and, and not serve you. He also wants some to get lifted up with proud pride and sin presumptuously and say things like, well, if I'm saved, it doesn't matter what I do. couldn't be further from the truth. Lord, I pray that you'd work in each person's heart. Help us to see your master plan, the wisdom of your salvation plan, the beauty of it, the power of it, the simplicity that all we could do is humble ourselves and come to you in faith. I pray if there's anyone here that's not done that, they would do that. They'd put their faith in you once and for all. And those that have would have confidence, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Please bless the invitation. Heads bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you take a moment there and process what we talked about? Has there been a time in your life when you've been born again? You can point back to a time. You remember what you said. You remember what you did. You had a clear and obvious working of God in your life. Not a vague memory. Something that's real.